everyone. Welcome to Lydia House. We're happy to have you with us. Those of you who are in person, those of you who are over Zoom like myself, welcome. Some are watching live stream, some are maybe watching this later on, whoever you are, welcome to Lydia House. Great to have you with us worshiping this morning. And let's open up in a little prayer. Father God, we thank you for the snow last night. We thank you for the weather, even if it's really, really cold sometimes this time of year. And we thank you for everything that you do for us on a daily basis. We give this time today to you. We welcome you here, Father God. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus, and we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We ask you to move among us and within us and be at work as you always are to make us more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So those who are in person, you can uh, remember to you know, keep your mask on and keep your distance there uh, in the room. I know it, because of the snow, we might not have as many in person and there might be more joining us online, but that's okay. It's nice to sometimes not have to fight the snow. That's actually a great thing about doing Zoom this way too, is that um, whenever there's a big snow, people don't have to worry about, should I risk going to church? Because they can just go to church from their house and everyone is safe. And Giving is still happening online on the website, LydiaHouseChurch.org. Uh, you can set up recurring payments on PayPal um, if you want to give that way. And of course, we always appreciate your gifts. And still a lot of stuff going on in our country, as you know, things that uh, need prayer. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today is intercessory prayer. And so I thought it would be fitting for us to start out doing a little bit of that for our country. So, Paul, if you wouldn't mind starting us out with some prayer, uh, and then I'll pick it up after that. Okay. I've got the uh, hymnal that I grew up with, and uh, I gave you a prayer from the hymnal last week, and here's another prayer from the hymn, My Country, Tis of Thee. The fourth verse says, Our Father is God, to the author of liberty, to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God, our King. So we want to pray, and we're commissioned to pray. You said, first of all, in your word, Father, that we're to pray for kings, for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And so our prayer is that we could lead a quiet and peaceable life because your people in this season are crying out to you for peace, for well-being, for order, for unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and Lord, we pray that you would um, bless the incoming administration in the White House and that you would bless the new Congress as well. We pray that you would give people wisdom and guidance and I pray that you would help people to not seek themselves or their own names or their own reputations or their own desires or even their own personal beliefs about one thing or another but that people could follow you and I pray that people would you'd send people into their lives who could help to bless them and to guide them and to carry burdens that are difficult on those in leadership. We pray for health for all of our leaders in our country, uh, as well as in our state and locally. 
We pray that you would be protecting them against COVID and everything else that's going around these days. Keep them healthy, keep them strong. I pray that you would bring them all to a place of greater humility, that they could be um, people who see leadership the way you do in the Bible, Jesus, when you talked about a leader serving everyone who they lead and those who would be greatest among us to be like slaves. And I, play, I pray that that notion of leadership, that they're not lording it above, they're not wielding power, they are serving us because of the power that we the people have given them. And I pray that that attitude would be pervasive. I pray that you would root out uh, greed and corruption and all those kind of things. And that you would bring all of our leaders to a greater understanding of you and willingness to follow. And we pray that, as Paul said, uh, we could, as Christians, live peaceably. And that we could continue to worship you the way that we are called to. And that we can continue to gather together and to strengthen and encourage one another. And continue to reach out in your name to those around us who need more of the love of God and need more of the encouragement and consolation maybe of the Holy Spirit these days. Yes. We pray that you would bless all of us as we take our part in helping to see this wonderful nation you've given us continue to thrive and bless Mm -hmm. as many other people and nations throughout the world as we can. And we turn it a little more personal now, Lord, and take a moment to confess our sins before you Anything that we have done over the last week, anything we've left undone, um, we open up our conscience to you now and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to convict us and help us to repent and confess anything that we need to. And we thank you, Lord, that you continually, continually, continually give of yourself to us. We thank you that no one is as generous as you are towards us. And Lord, we receive all of those blessings and we receive that favor that you desire to give us. We receive your forgiveness for our sins, Father God. And we receive your provision, your healing. I pray for anybody, there in the room, anybody joining us over Zoom, anybody watching later, if you need healing in your physical body, in your mind, in your spirit, maybe a lot of us need healing in our emotional responses these days, as charged as things are. Uh, pray that you would open up your heart and just receive the healing that God has Thank for you, you today. Lord. Be Thank healed Jesus. in Jesus' name. And Lord, we turn to you now in worship. We pray that you would help us to set everything aside that might be weighing down our mind or our heart and help us to focus on you and love you now with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord. This first song is a Christmas carol. And you say, well, I've never sung it as a Christmas carol. Well, you could have because when you hear these words... 
you could think Christmas. Together. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. And humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sins upon the cross. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. You're wonderful to me. Wonderful to me. Sing out, you're wonderful. Yes, because you're wonderful. Thank you're you, wonderful Thank to you. us. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy. And this song is one we've sung in a different manner. Actually, the manner we're going to sing it in is the St. Olaf College manner. We heard it, a different arrangement, and that's the way we're going to sing it. A little slower, a little more Andre Crouchy. <laughs> Goes like this. Sing with us. Come on. Kids, you really sing this one. 
This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Come children, this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine let it shine, oh, shine all over the world. I'm gonna let it shine. Come, children, shine all over the world. I'm gonna let it shine. verse again. Shine all over the world. See it happening. Shine over the world. Yes, God, let it shine. Gonna let it shine. Oh, children, shine all over the world. I'm gonna let it Some of us have been stepping out in new ways these last days and letting our light shine so wonderful. People are wanting to know. I talked to a guy who was fixing a window for a guy who lives in the house. And uh, wow, how, I don't know how I got it started, but uh, he said, my wife is Jewish. And I said, wow, how wonderful. And I think I might have said something in Hebrew. And, uh, and then I said, what about you? I said, are you a believer in Jesus? And he said, yeah, I'm a Lutheran. I said, I'm a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> and, and that caught his attention. And... Uh, I said, so you're a believer in Jesus? He said, yes. And I, I said, I'd like to stay in touch with you. And I said, could I have your card? Reached in, gave me his card. His name is Vaughn. So Vaughn, if you happen to be listening, hey, thanks for doing the window for Julian. And I uh, hope we can connect some more. So wouldn't that be wonderful if Vaughn and his uh, wife showed up? I said, I could help her because I studied in Israel and I could help her. Uh, I can't remember what it was that I said I'd help her with, but I, I said I would. So maybe we'll see Vaughn. And Sarah, that was it. Oh, I told him what, to, I said, you know what her name means? And he didn't know it. I said, it means princess. Sar is prince. And Sarah 
is princess. What a name for your wife. So that, it worked. So, yeah. Okay. The third one about, about how deep the Father's love. This is one of those uh, contemporary hymns. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear, we, when we, it's contemporary, it's usually a song, but this is a hymn. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son. To make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished, hallelujah. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. Yes, I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. What should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have made my ransom. Isn't that wonderful when you can take somebody's words that they wrote and it can become yours as you sing it? Somebody wrote a wonderful hymn, wonderful mm. poetry, and yeah. we sing it and we, we can express Thank it. You, Lord. Well, this is one we sang up at the cabin, at the cabin, it's a big house, that we, this last week, and uh, we did a lot of this one, so I thought, you got to get in on the fun. We can make up words. After we'll do two words that are written, then uh, if you come up with a song, mm -hmm. we, well, we've made up all kinds of, of verses here. It goes like this, come and go with me. To my father, use your hands if you want. To my father's house, to my father's house, yeah. Come and go with me to my father's house, where there's joy, 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 joy. Oh, everything is free in my father's house. In my father's house, in my father's house, everything is free. In my father's house, where there's joy, get your flag, joy, joy. We will dance and sing in my father's house. In my father's house, in my father's house. We will dance and sing in my father's house where there's joy, 
joy. joy. Now it's your Alleluia. turn. What? You got a verse? Who's got a verse? You can think about it. I mean, it's real easy. I mean, you can come up with the words. Just get an idea. There'll be plenty of food. There is plenty of food. In, in my are you sure? House. Yeah. In my father's house. We're gonna have a feast. In my father's house. And Karen the says there'll be plenty of food. In my father's house. Where there's joy, joy, yes, joy. And Giovanna and Andrew will be there in my father's house. In my father's house. In my father's house. Giovanna and Andrew will be there in my father's house. Where there's joy, joy, joy. One more verse. There'll be plenty of love, yes, in my father's house. In my father's house, in my father's house. There'll be plenty of love in my father's house. Where there's joy, joy, and joy. Hallelujah. Pardon? There'll be plenty of praise. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were There'll giving us another verse. Hallelujah okay. and praise and worship and thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's, let's pray for healing. If you are looking for healing for something, you can share it or you don't have to share it. But raise your hand if there is need for healing. I'm going to ask for prayer and others. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. okay. Need for Sarah prayer, has a minor here. injury. She'd like prayer for you. Pardon? Sarah would like prayer also. Sarah would like prayer for healing. And so, Lord. Uh, Lord. if you got a mic, somebody lead. Uh, give it a mic. Who wants to? Steve, pray. would you? Or, or Andrew? Yeah, Andrew's right there. Andrew, would you pray for, for Sarah. healing? For Sarah and for me and for uh, Laura. Laura. Yeah. For me, <laughs> a lot of me's. Yeah, Father, we just we rejoice and, and thank you that everything is, is perfect in your house and here on earth it's not all perfect yet. And we just thank you for your healing power and that uh, yeah. we can call on your name and that you are with us and in us and for us. And so I uh, just declare healing uh, over each one who, who needs it yes. in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for uh, yes. your healing power that each one would uh, experience um, just the relief and the, the restoration that they are seeking. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. Everyone is whole in my Father's house. Hallelujah. In my Father's house. In my Father's house. Everyone is whole in my Father's house. Where there's joy. Hallelujah. A guy once asked me, how do I hear from the Lord? And uh, I hadn't, I was kind of new to it. And I said, I don't know, but I think one thing you got to do is shut up. 
he got it. I mean, he, he accepted it. You know, I wasn't bashing him. I, I, I wouldn't say that to everybody, but I said it to him. He said, that's good. So we listen, and God speaks. His voice goes out throughout the whole earth, it says, in Psalms. Why? Well, I, I know it. His voice goes out. The earth out is the Lord's and fullest thereof. The world and those who dwell therein, for he's found it upon the waters. Uh, it's out there anyway. So his, <laughs> he's got a voice. Jesus, his sheep hear his voice. Yes. He said of the Spirit, that the Spirit you, will Lord. declare to you Thank that speech. You, so as we listen now, if God speaks to you for something that you should share here, feel free. Grab a mic from Tim and, uh, and speak the word. So, Father, thank you that you have a voice mm. and that you speak clearly. You don't, you, you, we can hear your voice and we can know your voice and we love your voice. And so, uh, if you would give anybody a word now that would be appropriate for here in this setting, we would take that. Well, thank you, Father, for your word. And Psalms is always a place, a wonderful place to go to, uh, to find refuge and strength. As Psalm 62 today, we read in the women's prayer time, you are our refuge and our strength. Mm -hmm. And a very, very present help in trouble. We know that in this world, we will have tribulation. But you have overcome. You have overcome, and you will continue to give us the faith to stand on the rock, the solid ground that never will give way. And we will not be shaken, even though there is so much that is shaking in our world, in our country. Thank you, Lord. We stand on you and look to you. I got a kind of funny word. It's a song. <laughs> I've never applied it to this, but uh, there's some talk. There may, there may be some changes down the line at some point, uh, uh, maybe months down. We're not sure. But uh, change for how Lydia House, you know, what, uh, what we will be doing. And here, here's the song I came up that, that came to my heart. There's a place for us. <laughs> so, a quiet place for us. Da, 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 da. Time together with time. Time to But write some Christian words. A place for us. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's uh, a place for them. A quiet place for them. Time together and time to Take it away, Nay. We're getting carried away here, so you better take it away before we get too carried away. Oh, you had a song. The minute that you guys were saying, you know, the Lord, and Ken, okay. 
And you guys know this song. It's fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not afraid or dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Hallelujah. And I will uphold mm -hmm. you with the right hand of my Amen. righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. And it goes on. But praise you, Lord, for yeah. words of encouragement wow. and songs yeah. in the name of Jesus. Name Amen. Of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that, Laura. I didn't see you, but I can tell your voice. Interesting. I hope that's good. It is. No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So thank you for that. All right. Well, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about at least my response to all the stuff that's going on these days in the country. Um, a lot of difficulty, a lot of division, a lot of, a lot of, lot of stuff. And I think the right response to that is to reach out more with the love of God to other people and to pray for them, to talk about them when opportunities arise, to talk about, and to make a concerted effort to reach out and bless people. And I'm going to repeat the, the words that the Lord said to me for us as a church regarding this year. And I've said this the last couple of weeks, but I think it would be good to repeat it. As Paul said earlier, you know, we love it when the Lord speaks. And when the God of the universe who created literally everything that exists decides to say something to us, that's kind of a big deal. And we should pay attention to that and we should thank him for that. And we should then listen to what it is that he wants to say. And this is what the Lord said for us as a church. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. My favor will be upon you as you reach out to the people in your lives. You reach out to them, then watch me work, and you will be amazed. And then he also said, am I unable to move in times of great difficulty? Which, of course, he is not unable to move. He's always able to move. And if we look at scripture, he is particularly keen on moving in times of great difficulty. And so, Father, we thank you for that word. We thank you for speaking to us. Help us to respond to that well uh, in a way that honors you. Amen. And so we want to get better at reaching out to people in our lives. And when I talk about reaching out, I'm not talking about evangelism in the way a lot of us might have been taught in church growing up uh, in the sense of talking to strangers and people we don't know about God. There are people who are called to do that, and that's great. But what I'm talking about is what we're all called to do, which is to reach out with God's love to people in our lives. All the people God has placed in your life, he has placed in your life for a reason, or rather, he's placed you in their life. He has sent you. You are a sent one, a missionary, uh, an apostolic 
person you have been placed by God in the lives of your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers, et cetera. And it's your responsibility then to reach out to those people with the love of God. And last week we talked about prayer and how to pray for folks. And we're going to talk a little more about prayer uh, today as well, because prayer is a really, really important part of our call to reach out and to bless the people who are around us. Sometimes we pray for them. Sometimes we pray on their behalf to God. And sometimes we talk to them and we reach out. We make an effort to, to do that. Now, some people are wired more like there are some people who like to cut everything into two groups, right? And I'm going to do that right now. Uh, there are people who are more called to pray, feel more called to pray for people. And there are few, people who feel more called to talk to people. And the reality is we're both called to do both. God has placed you in the lives of the people in your life, family area. And God has called you to reach out to them and to bless them with the love of God, which means sometimes you talk to them or you listen to what they have to say. And other times you pray for them. But we're really both supposed to do both. And for some people, the prayer thing is a little intimidating. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Uh, I don't feel particularly called or anointed to do that. And that's okay. We can learn how to do that better because we're all called to pray. Other people maybe don't call, feel particularly called to talk to people. Uh, but the reality is we're all called to talk to the people in our lives. And it, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about calling someone up who we haven't talked to in a while and saying, hey, how you doing? So do you know Jesus? And would you like to hear more about how great he is for your life? I'm talking about contacting someone and saying, so how you doing these days? Are you all right? Uh, you guys survive in the winter? Do you need anything? Is there any way I can help you? Is there anything I can pray for you for? Those kind of things. Those, those kind of outreach points uh, make a great start in building the kind of relationship where you can reach out to someone, you can bless someone, you can share something the Lord might have said for them, and they'll be able to receive that because you have proven yourself, I guess, trustworthy in their life, proven yourself to be someone who cares about them. Who doesn't like it when other people care about it? Not, not a lot of us, right? And so the people in your life will love just knowing that you care. You don't have to be eloquent with your words uh, or anything like that to be able to show that you care. And we're all called to do these things. And I want to look at a few passages today that talk about prayer in particular, how to pray for people that God has put in our lives or people that God has placed on our hearts. And I want to start with a quote by John Wesley, a great American hero of the faith. John Wesley said this, God does nothing on earth save an answer to believing prayer. God does nothing on earth save in response or answer to believing prayer. Now, I personally intend not to use words like nothing or never uh, in regard to God, but I would say God certainly does very, very little <laughs> on this earth, save in response to believing prayer. And we see, that in, we see that in scripture. Almost every single time that God moves to do something, it's in response to the prayers of his people. That's how God has set it up. He has set up earth and the spiritual ecosystem in which we live such that he is willing to move and to respond and to do things all the time, but he does it in response to our prayer. 
And we could go into a long explanation of why that is, but the short version of it is this, because God gave us free will, he's not going to override our free will and do something against our will. And so when we pray for other people, it opens up avenues for God to move in their life that might not have otherwise been open because that person maybe isn't wanting to pray or isn't wanting to receive what God has for them. And so as we pray for them, that affects their situation such that God can do something. And that's what we want to do for people. We want to be able to pray to someone who is deceived and pray for them so that the deception can leave them and they can see God for who he really is, for example, or some other lie maybe that they've been believing about themselves or about God. And we can pray and we can have a real world effect on what happens. And Jesus talks about, actually, this is all throughout the Bible. We're going to look at some passages today that deal with this. But I always go back to the Lord's Prayer because there's a lot of stuff in the Lord's Prayer. And one of the most important things is Jesus says that we should pray. When he teaches us how to pray, he teaches us to pray, Father, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So we know that in heaven, God's will is done, right? God's will just happens because he wills it in heaven. But here on earth, that's not the case. Here on earth, there are things that happen all the time that aren't God's will, right? It's not God's will for us to sin. And yet how often do we sin? Like pretty often, right? So Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, thy will be done here on earth among us like it is in heaven. And we're supposed to pray that. So if we want God's will to happen, Jesus says, pray for it to happen. Pray us. We are given the job to pray so that God's will happens here on earth. And that's what prayer is about. That's what intercessory prayer is about. And we're going to look at some examples of that. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18, it's right before 2 Kings, 1 Kings 18, and this is a great story. And you may, you've probably read the story before, but maybe you didn't think of it in terms of intercessory prayer. So what's happening here is Israel is in a time of famine, really, really, really bad famine, like danger famine, right? hasn't rained. It hasn't rained in a long, long, long time. So much so that King Ahab, who is not a good king, is willing to listen to the prophet Elijah, who had been banished. And let's start in verse 41, uh, 1 Kings 18, 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Elijah said he heard a sound like rain. So he told Ahab, hey, go party. It's going to rain soon. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Okay, so there's been a famine forever. We know that God doesn't want people to die of famine, right? So it's his will that it should rain, but it hasn't rained. And so Elijah hears a sound as if 
there is a rushing rain coming. So that's like a prophetic word, right? God gave Elijah a prophetic word in the form of a sound like rain. So we know it's God's will for people not to die of famine. So it's God's will for it to rain. He also hears a prophetic word that says it's going to rain. And so God has made it clear that he wants it to rain and yet it's not raining. And so Elijah's response to this of knowing that it's God's will to rain is to pray. His response is to pray. He bows himself down, puts his face between his knees, a very humble uh, position in that culture. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and he said, there's nothing. And he, that's Elijah said, go again. And he did this seven times. So Elijah bounds down, he prays for a while. And then he tells the servant, go check. He looks at the sky. There's nothing in the sky, not a cloud. And so if the servant comes back, Elijah prays again. He says, go check again. Prays again, checks again. Seven times this happens. And the seventh time, behold, the servant says, behold, a little cloud, like a man's hand, is rising from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you from leaving. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And I'll stop there. So it was clear that it was God's will for it to rain. He doesn't want us to die in a famine. He doesn't want us to die of drought. And God specifically told Elijah, hey, go talk to Ahab. And then he heard the sound of rain. So there's a lot of here, clear signs here. It's God's will that it should rain. And Elijah's response to that is to pray. So let me ask you this. And you can, uh, you can shout or you can wave or whatever. I can see those of you who are in the room there. Um, did Elijah make it rain? My son says no. He's right. You're right, Andrew. Elijah didn't make it rain, right? God made it rain. But let me ask you this. If Elijah would not have prayed, would it have rained? What do you think? Want to take a stab at that one, Andrew? If Elijah hadn't prayed, would it have rained? Bella says no. And you're right, Bella. So Elijah didn't make it rain. God made it rain. But if Elijah had not prayed, it would not have rained. And so we, we have a role to play in this. And we see this throughout scripture. We see this in Jesus' teaching. Again, Jesus tells us to pray, your will be done, Lord, here on earth, just as it is in heaven. And so it was God's will here on earth that it rain. And Elijah's response to that wasn't to say, oh, praise God, it's going to rain. Awesome. His response was, okay, it's your will for it to rain. I'm going to pray and I'm going to keep praying for it to rain until it rains. And every time I go and look and it's not raining yet, I'm going to come back and pray again. And I'm going to keep praying and keep praying until it rains because that's your will. And so sometimes we have, uh, I think, a misunderstanding of what God's will is. When we learn what God's will is about a given situation, about a person or whatever the case may be, our response is not to go, yay, it's God's will to do this, or to say, okay, God, you want to do that? Good. I, I agree. Do that. I bless what you are doing, God. Uh, God's will is for us to join in that and to partner with him in that and to pray that that thing would happen. And that's what we see here with Elijah. Flip to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel, further ahead in the prophets, 
Daniel chapter nine. Anybody have a question or comment on the first Kings example? Any questions, comments, thoughts on that? All right, let's look at another example here. Daniel chapter nine. I'll just read the first, first few verses. So uh, Daniel, as you know, is in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. At this point, he is in the court of Darius. This is the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarius, a descendant, uh, uh, says a decent Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So he was a decent guy. That's a really funny thing for the writer of this book to say. He, he was by descent of Mede. He's all right. And he was king over all the Chaldeans, the entire area. And in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years, according to the word of the Lord, by the voice of Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Israel, namely 70 years. So he found through the prophetic words in the book of Jeremiah that Israel would be captive for 70 years. And he is part of that people who is captive right now. And so his response to that, which means what? After 70 years, God wants to bring them back, right? That's what that means. So he has determined God's will by reading the scripture, which is a good way to do it. Verse three, then I turned my face to God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God. I made confession. And I'll pause there. So again, he finds out what God's will is. It's God's will to bring Israel back fairly soon at this point in Daniel's life. Um, it's, in, it's in the coming years. God, that 70 years is going to be over and God will bring Israel back. And so his response is what? He's going to pray and not just pray a little bit. He's going to pray a lot and he's going to fast and he's going to humble himself. So those are his responses. So I already, already kind of answered this, but did Daniel assume that God's will was a foregone conclusion? No, he did not. He didn't assume that God's will was a foregone conclusion just because God said he wanted to do this. He found out what God's will is, and he sought to, to make sure God's will happened, to help bring it about. Again, Daniel is not freeing Israel. Daniel is not releasing Israel from bondage, but he is praying in accordance with the will of God that God will do that. And so he doesn't assume God's just going to do his will. He assumes that he has a role to play, and he takes it really seriously. He prays, he fasts, he humbles himself in all the ways that they did um, during those days. And then, and this is some of the things he prayed here. This is verse four. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and your rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name, to our kings and princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs the righteousness, but to us open shame. And he goes on and on to confess the sins of the people, ask for forgiveness, and then ask for God's mercy. Um, and I read, I read some of those verses there because that's an example of an intercessory prayer, is to repent. Repentance is a big part of intercessory prayer. Um, so let's, let's pause there for just a second 
and take a step back. So last week we talked about intercessory prayer and what that meant. Um, we referenced Ezekiel chapter 22, where the Lord says, I searched for someone to stand in the gap or stand in the breach. And that's our, that's our main metaphor, our model for intercessory prayer. So to stand in the gap or the breach is the, the word picture there is two armies. There's an army lined up right here and there's an army lined up right here. And that space in the middle is called the breach. It's the breach between the two armies. It's the gap between those two armies, or it might not be two armies. It could be just two individuals who are at odds with each other. And there's a breach of something broken, a gap in the middle. And God is saying he is calling someone to go stand in that spot. And that's us. We are called to stand in that place, just like this in the middle and to pray. Uh, and that's the picture of what intercessory prayer is. We put ourselves through prayer in the middle of another situation. And there are two basic types of intercessory prayer. I think of it like a coin. There's two sides to the intercessory prayer coin. Uh, the, word, the word for intercessory prayer in Hebrew is paga, And paga means to meet. It means to meet or to come together. And there's two uses for that term. One is a lawyer coming before a judge to advocate on someone else's behalf. So that the word paga is used for that. So like a lawyer will go to a judge and say, your honor, my client didn't do this on purpose. It was an accident or they'll never do it again or whatever a lawyer might say to a judge uh, to advocate on behalf of their client. And that's what we do. We're the lawyer. We advocate to God on behalf of other people. That's what Jesus does for us. The Bible says he is in heaven and he lives to make intercession for his people, us. So Jesus is up there doing this paga for us right now. He is doing intercessory prayer for us in heaven right now. He is advocating for you and me to God. He is advocating for us saying, bless them, Lord. Yes, you know, they made a few mistakes, but they are getting it. They're getting better. They're coming closer to you. Have mercy on them for these areas that they fall in. Continue to help them to learn to walk into the blessings that you've given them. Jesus is doing that for us all the time, constantly, the Bible says, in heaven. And so this is one type of intercession that we are called to do for other people. We are called to stand in the breach, stand in the gap, to paga, to meet with God on behalf of other people. But the word is also used, the same exact word is also used to mean to meet with someone in battle. You meet your enemy on the battlefield. And that's the same word in Hebrew, paga. So you meet with someone to advocate on that behalf of someone else. You also meet someone to fight them on behalf of someone else. And so the word to meet with in battle, to fight, uh, that is the same word as intercessory prayer. And that's the other type of intercessory prayer. So one type is what Daniel just did, where he advocated for the people by repenting for them in this case. And the other way is what we might call spiritual warfare, where we are praying against the enemy or against the darkness or against the deception in someone else's life. And we take that kind of fighting stance. And so intercessory prayer means both of those things. We do both of those things um, when we pray for other people. And next week, we're going to talk more about the primary weapon we use in that fight, which is the sword of the spirit. And so we're all called to do this, to stand in the breach, 
in the gap on behalf of other people. Does anybody have any questions or comments on that? Interesting, as a teacher um, teaching wars class, I've, I just finished up World War I and moving into World War II, and we all know that that's no man's land in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes, going over the top, I'll oftentimes use that idiom when I talk, you know, it's, oh, it's over the top. This is so crazy, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the kids know that now. The boys know that. And it's interesting talking about no man's land yeah. and how that is to be navigated well in war. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's a great example. And the... The language that is used for intercessory prayer is warfare language. We see this all throughout the scriptures. It's not just the Paul thing in the New Testament. We see it throughout the scriptures. We see it right here in Daniel. We see it in Ezekiel. We see it in Jesus. And we see it, yes, in Paul and Peter. The, the language of intercession, this type of intercession, the meet and fight, is it's warfare language. And I know I've talked to people who are uncomfortable with that. They don't like the violent often bloody language of prayer and spiritual warfare that is used. They don't like that metaphor, but you got to understand that Paul, I'll, we'll talk about more about this uh, in two weeks, but um, Paul's writing in the first century where they're occupied by Rome in the Roman empire was about as bloody as you get. They had more words for killing than they had for food. Okay. But they, they were very into killing. And so uh, Paul is speaking to the, the culture of the day in a metaphor that they will understand. He's explaining prayer by comparing it to something they already know. Because actual prayer, spiritual warfare, is spiritual. Paul reminds us, our war is not against flesh and blood. Even if there are human enemies involved in what we're praying about, we're not against them. We're not against flesh and blood. We're against the spiritual things that are going on. But the imagery is very, uh, very warfare-y. So for those of you who may be pacifists and have a difficult time with some of the warfare imagery, please take a breath and uh, understand that God's not trying to be violent in an evil way. We are bringing the violence to bear, spiritually speaking, against an enemy who would like to steal, kill, and destroy everyone that we know. And that's no joke. And so we do need to be serious and violent against that, against the darkness, against the enemy, but not against people. Um, but yes, please. Yes, please do. I want to ask a question. Does anyone know how old Daniel is at this time? You think about it and you can compute his age. How old was he when they went to Babylon? Yeah, so he's a teenager. How many years have lapsed? 70 years. He's, he's in his late 80s at least. He went, into, he went into the lion's den when he was an old man. Not, he would, would they see him looking young. But the fact that he takes prayer seriously as an 88-year-old or a 90-year-old man and some of the most important scriptures, I got so excited when you're talking and I'm, I'm thinking about this and computing this and then looking at what he is doing. 
he is doing significant work for the Revelation, the book of Revelation, and he's probably 88, 90 years old. So there's a future for all of us. John was 92. Yeah. Yeah, so Paul, you're still a spring chicken. By comparison there. And so, yeah, so Daniel sees that. Daniel sees that the 70 years is up, or I think probably almost up. Um, but it's very, it's close. And so Daniel's response to realizing this, God, I think God, the spirit of God spoke to him and showed him, hey, look, look here in, in Jeremiah, the prophet already said this. This is what that means. And his eyes were open and Daniel said, oh my goodness, praise God, this is great. And he didn't then go home and start packing. No. That's what you might expect. Hey, the 70 years is almost up. Let's pack. I'm going to start selling my holdings in Babylon Inc. or whatever. Um, no, what he does is he gets on his knees and he starts praying. And he, he doubles down and gets even more serious about praying that God's will would take Ruth place. Ruth has a comment. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> Sorry. So um, I've been praying the Psalms now for five years, over maybe five and a half years, God it gave us a prayer strategy for the Williams that we, man, <laughs> I'm so grateful for. But when you pray through the Psalms, it's, we pray through the Psalms, we pray other scriptures, we pray the names of God. But when you pray, the, David had a lot of violence in his prayers <laughs> in the Psalms. Like, and I used to, we used to kind of pussyfoot around those parts of those prayers, the imprecatory yep. stuff too, but I know that um, we're praying against the demonic forces to destroy them. And, yeah. You know, it's, right. I just love it that we, I don't know, I'm praying with such a new boldness now when I pray the word of God because God's up to a lot of good things that we get to partner with him. Yeah. Amen. And I'm, and I'm going to touch more on that in, in just a minute here. Did somebody else? I thought I heard something. Yeah, I do. You know, it's interesting personalities because for myself, and I really believe this is the gift from God, and Steve has it as well, so perhaps under um, also his umbrella, but oftentimes when I go to prayer, certainly I'm bold, but I always go back to the commander-in-chief on this one, which is God Almighty. And it's like, hey, you've got this. And so in my prayers, you know, I'm not always in a, in a communication of pure fight. It is more, for me, a communication of, Lord, your commander-in-chief, you got this, go get him. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot more like that. Maybe because I'm a female. It's like, hey, you're the guy here. You fight it out. You duke it out. Because even in um, Zechariah, it was such a foreign language to me. Zechariah is an interesting prophet. And I was uh, reading about that. But he talks about Zion. And he talks about at one time how he is jealous for her. And it's a great wrath. And where I know some people would be like, oh, I'm afraid of that. I am more of the perspective of, hey, bring it on. 
Bring on your great wrath. Bring on your jealousy for me, for your for my enemies. So what do you think? Thank you for that. So uh, there's a number of things I could say there. Uh, first of all, I think that's great. I think any given situation, it really depends on what God is leading you to at the time. And we're going to look at a, our next example that we're going to look at actually falls very similarly to what you're talking about of there's certain aspects of, of this kind of prayer, spiritual warfare, intercessory prayer that are, you're sort of like a cheerleader almost in a sense, or you're like, um, it's like a cross between the advocate and the warrior um, where you're speaking the truth of God and agreeing with what God has already said and just saying that over and over. Like Jesus said, pray that God's will would be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And why don't we turn to Exodus 17? So this is kind of an example, I think, of what you're talking about. This is a really interesting passage. Exodus 17, kind of going progressively backwards, I guess, today. Um, I'm going to start with verse 8, and I'm going to read this little story. So the Amalekites are coming against Israel and trying to destroy them. They foresee them coming to claim their land, which of course is true. Um, and this is before they crossed over the river. So Moses is still leading the charge. And Amalekites have a really big army. Israel's in trouble in the natural. If you look at it with your human eyes, this is not great. And Verse eight, uh, then Amalek came up and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And they had seen Moses take a stand with the staff of God numerous times and things like seas would part. <laughs> so, so Joshua was like, okay, he had faith that God was going to answer them and, and come and save them uh, supernaturally. That's what Joshua would have thought when Moses said, I'm going to stand up there with my staff and you fight and we'll be good. And uh, so verse 10, so Joshua did as Moses told him and he fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur, who's another guy, went up to the top of the hill. And then verse 11, this is where it gets interesting. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, as you would eventually because you get tired, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. And so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and the people with the sword. So... This is a, another type of intercessory prayer. In this case, the prayer is more like an action. It's more like simply an obedience. And we find this sometimes. We'll be praying for someone, and God will give us specific direction in how to pray. God might say, I want you to pray in agreement with me of what I'm going to do. Great. I agree with you, God. Do it. God might say, I want you to pray these scriptures over a person or over a family. And you do that and you pray those scriptures. God might give you a really specific thing to do or thing to pray. And so you pray that. And we're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Sometimes God will give you something to do. God will say, I want you to bring them some cookies. 
or something like that, something simple. But obeying that is another, it's a type of prayer, a type of intercessory prayer. Um, it could even be prophetic cookies in a sense, because God told you to do it. And as you obey that, that can have an effect. And sometimes we don't know what that effect will be. We simply obey. And so Moses goes up on top of the hill. God's like, this is what I want to do. I want to save you. Moses knew God wanted to save the people, but he still obeyed. Even when his arms got really tired, he, he didn't go like, all right, that's probably enough, God. So I'm going to stop now. He did that. And then they started to lose the battle. He's like, oh, shoot. And he puts his, puts his arms back up and then they start to win again. And it keeps going like that. And so Moses knows that he has a role to play here. Okay. Moses is the one standing in between victory and loss. And the fate of Israel literally depends on this. And so what happens is these other two guys, his brother, Aaron, who's the high priest, and this guy, her, who we've never heard of, come and they help him out. They give him a chair, a rock chair, and then they hold up his arms, one on either side. And sometimes that's what intercession looks like is we hold up someone else's arms. And Moses here had an important role to play. God had anointed Moses to lead this intercession, you might say. He had anointed Moses to be the one who was just given this responsibility. And we'll often find that. And, and Ruth shared earlier, so I'm going to use you as an example, Ruth. Um, God has put you in charge of praying uh, for those folks, your friends who are now all of our friends, right? And a lot of people are praying for them, but he's sort of given you that in charge role. He's given you that staff of leadership in terms of praying for them. And so sometimes we pray for them as well. And sometimes maybe we'll pray for you. Sometimes you might need someone to hold up your arms. And that's what was happening here with Moses is people were interceding by helping him intercede. So it's a both and. Um, and so we do this together. If Aaron and her hadn't been there to hold up Moses's arms, Israel would have been in big trouble, big, big trouble. God was willing to step in and intervene, but people had to be involved. People had to get in between. And that is often the case with us. God wants to bless. Obviously, he wants to bless all the people in our lives, our friends, our family, everybody else. He wants to bring people out of deception. He wants to break down strongholds. He wants to rescue people from the camp of the enemy. And he wants to bring healing and joy and, and take away depression and all that kind of stuff. And he uses us to pray. And sometimes he gives us specific roles to play. And sometimes that role seems really simple. Like all I'm doing is saying, yay, God, go do what you do. But that's an important role. And sometimes it might be like, I feel like all I'm doing is holding up this other person's arm. But Aaron and her's job here was really important. And, and let me ask you about this, this guy. Three, three people made a difference for the entire nation of Israel. Think about that. Moses, Aaron, her. If it wasn't for those three guys doing what they did, Israel was over. They were done. God would have had to take the few that were left and sort of restart it. But they, those three people made a difference for an entire nation. Three people made a difference for an entire nation. Talked to a lot of people the last couple of weeks who are really frustrated and feel like they, they, there's no way they can make a difference in our nation. And this is a great response, I think, this passage in Exodus. Say, hey, 
Here's an example where three people made all the difference for the whole nation. And so if we feel like we're a nation in need of saving right now, I see more than three on my screen. That's all we need. All we need is prayer. We don't need complaining. We don't need woe is me. We don't need finger pointing. If you would have done this, or if you would have voted, or if you would have done that. No, no, no. We just need prayer. We need the people of God to come together and to pray and to repent and to do the things that Daniel was doing. And how about this guy, her? Who's her? Who's her? Is she her? Are you her? He's her. Oh, she's her. There's this guy named her. Nobody knows who this guy is. We, we're not given any backstory. He's a nobody. And that's the point of the story. Nobody knows her. But God knows her. And God asks her to help change the world. And her says, okay. And that is the moment. It doesn't matter who her is. It doesn't matter who you are. When God asks you and calls you up, you say yes or you don't. And the, going back to Ezekiel, God is looking to and fro for someone willing, it says, willing to stand in the breach. I, God isn't looking to and fro for someone with skill. He's not looking to and fro with someone with ability or with a title or with a position. He's just looking for someone willing. Maybe God looked at some of the elders in this passage in Ezekiel with Moses and Aaron and her. Maybe they said, no, I don't know. But God chose someone. He called someone up who was a nobody, just a normal dude. And that guy said, yes. And that is what changed everything. The whole battle, the whole history of Israel was changed by this nobody saying yes to God, saying, yeah, I'm willing. I will do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a title. I don't have a name. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a special person, but I, I'll help. Tell me what you want me to do. And that is the attitude that God is looking for in us. He is looking for us to be willing to say, yeah, I know I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm just a normal person. But you know what? Normal people in the army of God are all pretty special because you're all, and we've, we've taught on this before, but you're all princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as a nobody now. But even if you don't have a title or training or anything like that, you will be called by God to be a part of intercession and a part of blessing other people's lives. And it doesn't matter if you're a quote unquote nobody. God used this guy who we'd never heard of to change the world. And the reason it worked is he just said, yes, that's it. And God gave him a sort of weird assignment. Go help Moses. Uh, okay. I don't know how to fight or be a general. That's okay. Just pull a rock over there so he can sit in it and then hold his arms up. Let him stick his arms on your shoulders while you sit next to him. Okay, that's a weird job, God. That's like the weirdest job I've ever heard of, but all right, I'll do it. He's willing to do it. He just says yes, and he obeys. It's amazing what God can do through you if you'll simply say yes and obey what he asks. This is not rocket science. <laughs> Getting people in your life saved, seeing people come back to God, None of this stuff is rocket science. It's simply obedience. We obey God, we pray, and we do what he asks us to do. And sometimes he'll ask us to do real specific things. 
And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple of weeks. That's, that's what uh, Paul means when he talks about the sword of the spirit. But oftentimes they're simple things. Say hi, tell them you're thinking about them. Tell them I'm thinking about them. That, what'll that do? Well, it might do a lot. You don't know. Just obey. Obey what you feel like God is leading you to do. Anybody have any, any thoughts on that passage or? you were referring to, I was looking at uh, Second Chronicles 16, and it says, uh, you know, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen mm -hmm. those whose hearts are fully uh, committed to him. And there's uh, another one that says uh, he's, he, the eyes of the Lord are going uh, to and fro, looking to uh -huh. see uh, the the specific one I was referring to uh, was Ezekiel 22. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we talked about that one last week, the kind of verse 23 and following. Okay, yeah. It's, I mean, this one uh, kind of goes along with it. That he is yeah. He is looking out, and he's, he's going to be giving you that supernatural strength, <laughs> you know, when, when you need it. Yep. Hallelujah. If and you're willing to accept it, as Paul says. Yeah. As we know. I've, I've heard people say that intercessory prayer is sort of a new development in the church, um, which I don't really understand. If, if by that they mean they weren't doing it before, then that might be true. But we see the concept all through scripture, the idea of coming in and standing in for somebody else and either advocating for them or fighting for them. Uh, we see it all throughout scripture. And God is not only looking for people who are highly skilled or people who have all the experience or people who have some sort of title or importance. He's looking for people who are willing to say, yeah, I'll pray for my family members. I'll pray for my neighbors. I'll pray for my coworkers. I can do that. And that's it. Obedience is key. Anybody else have any thoughts you want to toss out there or questions on? We had kind of a lot of scripture today. Yay, Laura. <laughs> but, and I don't know if this is just for me or for the church, but um, uh, a bit ago, um, there was a woman that <clears throat> came over and, and wanted to talk. I've tested her kids, her child, uh, her son. And so I'm the teacher and tester for him. And it was a humbling experience for me because I'll say, you know, Lord, order my day. And, man, she was there a long time. I thought it was just going to be, you know, a couple hours. It was like four hours. And, yeah, yeah. it was just a long time. And, and I really had to, to work it out with myself. And even Steve was like, man, she's still here. She was here this long. And, and so that was the first lesson, I would say, in just um, – God, you know, you ordered my day, and, and gosh, this is how it looked, and I didn't really like it, um, which was interesting. It was really a, um, uh, um, I would say disciplined, you know, kind of a disciplinary act on the Lord on behalf of me. The second piece was... Um, 
at the end of our conversation or time together, no, it was during, I really believed I should wash her feet after we prayed. And, and I've gotten to the point, praise God, more than not, I won't say why, I'll do it. Because when I don't do it, like last week, I didn't pray for two particular situations, and I knew I should have, and it's just been on my mind. Um, so I didn't do well last week, but I did in this particular day. So I was obedient, but this was the piece that was so interesting to me, is that I was purely thinking, yeah, I'm going to wash her feet, whereas she was thinking, Oh, no, I haven't shaved my legs. My feet are so ugly. And it was such a, a change for me in me versus her and the ministry piece. Any thoughts mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, well, I, that's, that's really true. And it's, you know, I don't know why God asked you to do that for her. There could have been any number of reasons. Um, but here's, here's one possible one. Sometimes we need to learn how to receive. Some of us aren't great at receiving. We might be good at giving or serving other people or blessing other people. But when it comes to receiving something, we have a tough time with that. And if you'll remember the washing of the feet story um, on Monday, Thursday, right after the Last Supper, um, Peter's like, no, don't wash my feet. You know, he, he didn't feel like he was worthy and, and he had a hard time receiving that as well. And sometimes we need to learn how to receive. So it could be that God was trying to teach her, you know, it's time for you to receive. I, I know people who, you know, uh, someone offers to pay for dinner when they go out to dinner and they're like, no, 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 you can't pay for me. No, no, no. And some of that is just, I think, a uh, battle of politeness. Um, especially in Minnesota, but sometimes it's that people don't know how to receive. They feel really weird. Somebody else buying them dinner. They feel really weird. Somebody else doing something for them or praying for them. Um, often if they're a Christian, because they're like, no, I should be the one reaching out, but we all need to learn how to receive as well. Sometimes getting our feet washed. Um, there, of course, there could have been other things going on there as well. Um, it's good for you to have noted that she had some discomfort in that. Um, because it's important for us to realize that other people have feelings too, and they might be receiving something differently than how we intended to be. Yeah, um, but she did let me. She, yeah. I mean, she was, she said, okay, you know, and I said, this was an issue where for me, if I'm told to do it, I better pretty much do it, you know, mm -hmm. I better doggone do it. So yeah. like I said, I didn't last week do a great job, but you know, she did. And I, well, good on her. Good on her for letting you do it at yeah, least. No and maybe it'll be, it could be one of those like situations where God just, just trying to get somebody's attention. You know, that'll get your attention. God told somebody to wash my feet and then they did it. And it was kind of awkward. So what are you trying to do, God? What are you trying to say? I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that'll get your attention. So why don't, uh, we'll join you, Laura, in praying for that person right now. Why don't you do that? Uh, we lift up Sarah and her son. Why don't I have it on the tip of my tongue right now? Josiah. And um, Lord, all the, um, 
all of the past that she brought forth, she was living so much in the past and asking question after question. And Father, we ask, Father, that you would um, please, on behalf of this church and praying for her and where two or three are gathered, that you would really do um, a shifting for her to start thinking present and future, where she would have a a hope and a future and dreams that will set her and and pivot her, Lord Jesus, um, kind of like a disc thrower, so that she would have um, a real urgency, especially as a mother, to tend well to herself and Josiah and how that should look as he finishes up um, his his teen years and and how she should uh, direct well his life and hers and what that looks like in your eyes. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus, that she's moving out of the past and into the present and future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to close this out now and give the benediction, and then we can spend some time um, for those who are with us uh, live either in person or Zoom, share and pray for each other. But uh, let, me, let me pray now just to close this out. Father God, we thank, you for, we thank you for the people you've put in our lives. Lord, we thank you for our family, our extended families. Thank you for our neighbors, coworkers, classmates, housemates, former coworkers, people we maybe used to know well and haven't connected with lately. We thank you for these people. We pray that you would bless them we pray that you would reveal your heart to them. And we open ourselves up, Lord, and our time. And just agree in your heart with me, folks, um, if you want to agree with this prayer. Lord, we want to make ourselves available to you. We want to say yes when you are looking for someone to stand in the gap on behalf of someone else. We want to say yes to that. We want to be willing. And so, Lord, we give you permission to speak to us about these folks in our life and to lead us into who we should be praying for, what we should pray, who we should maybe reach out to or try to contact or say hi. And we pray that you would lead us and guide us in that because we want you to move in people's lives. We want you to save and heal and redeem and free and bring joy and encouragement. And we are willing to be a part of seeing that happen in people's lives. So we pray that you would do that. Help us to learn how to do this. Um, for those of us who aren't maybe super excited about the idea, I pray that you'd help to make us more willing, help to make us willing. And then after willing, help to make us desire, to really desire to see the people in our life change and come to know you more and be set on fire for you. We pray that you would bless us this week in our interactions with other people, whether in the spirit, through prayer, or more directly. Pray that we could always be interacting with folks in an abundance of your love and mercy and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.